Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Corey. I'm Jamie. Jamie, how's the week going so far? Hey, um, so I found out today that I am going back on IV antibiotics. Ooh, that's so um, I, you know, when I related to Eric uh, earlier, I was saying, hey, you know, this is what's happening. And he looked at me and he goes, you, you look like you have a funny look on your face. And I'm, I realized now it was, uh, it's grief. <laughs> it is 200% grief of like, oh God, I have been through this before multiple times now. I know what I'm in for, um, but I also know what I've been going through. And so I know that this is, you know, in theory, a, a path out of that. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm looking towards. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was like, I I had an idea that it was going to happen, but now like just thinking about like, you know, what, what it really means on the impact of my, of my day to day of having to go to the doctor every day, have an IV, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, not super excited about it, but I am excited to feel better. So I have to just kind of like, look, look that way, but also, uh, taking lots of lessons learned from all of our wonderful guests, um, and uh going to feel my feels about it (laughs) and not just be like no it's fine you know it's like no it sucks (laughs) and i might cry about it so yeah (laughs) how's everything over there tell me tell me tell me good things or bad things (laughs) pretty good we've had like this torrential like rainfall this past week in the midwest it's been insane um but my grass has grown really nice so i'm happy yes <laughs> so, so such a homeowner thing to say well my grass i love that um <laughs> my kid had like five birthday celebrations this week because oh. everyone everyone loves him so you know it's whatever but um yeah it's been a really good week so nothing nothing to to complain about too bad so um Awesome. Today, I, I think this is the first time ever we actually have a double double header of guests today. Uh, yes. The podcast first, so uh, I'm not even going to talk too much. I'm just going to say, please welcome um, Matt and Allison. They are from uh, Hope for the Day. Thank you both for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us. Hi, Matt. Hi, Allison. So yeah, we uh, we found your we we in the because of the way social media algorithms work now. And we're always looking at like mental health and grief associated things. And uh, we found we found out you guys through uh, a sip of hope, which is uh, a coffee company in Chicago where you're based. And from there, we learned about uh, your organization as a whole. So let's talk about that kind of what what started the organization and, and what kind of motivated you to do all these things for yep. mental health. I'm gonna let Matt take that one because he's been around a little bit longer than I okay. have, so. He's got the intro. Sure. Yeah, so Hope for the Day is a nonprofit based out of Chicago, um, but has national and international reach. And the mission is to empower the conversation on proactive suicide prevention and mental health education. And we do that in, in a peer-to-peer method through our educations and our outreach. We are clinically backed and we make sure what we're saying is um, up to snuff within the industry, so to say. Um, but it is peer-to-peer because we believe that those conversations to really break the stigmas around mental health are best held within communities that face specific stigmas 
and can understand each other. And that is the door opening to therapy or to just further conversation. And it really helps to release some of the pressure to at least have a community that hears you. So we're in our 10th year this year. That's amazing. Yes, thank you. We're, we're, we're super proud of the work we do and how we continue to expand in the reception that we receive from everywhere, from municipalities to universities to corporations. It seems like people really are starting to grasp the importance of mental health and not some aggrandized theory about this unattainable zen that you're going to reach. It's very real, real everyday life. So it's great to see 10 years ago, it was not like this. I remember my corporate uh, upbringing. This was, these conversations were unheard of. Um, mental health in health insurance was hard to get even or hard to access. So we're very happy with the progress in the industry and the progress that we've made. And uh, Sip of Hope came out of that belief that conversations are where mental health stigmas are first broken down and, and you can release some of that pressure within your community. So 2018, we did open Sip of Hope Cafe in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago. And it runs similar to our mission. So the proceeds, 100% of the net proceeds after expenses, of course, go to Hope for the Day to sponsor some of our programs um, and education. So that's great. We're the first coffee company that we know of and have ever heard of that does that. So cool. The, the cafe itself is, is a safe space for people to come work, talk, have those conversations that may be hard. It's the place where they can feel safe that mental health issues are okay to and accepted to talk about there. So uh, we're, we're super proud of that. It's, it's very, um, it's very rewarding to see the people that come in there that we work in this space. So we're used to it every day hearing this, but when you see someone that's had a breakthrough and that, you know, that's their first experience of saying, you know, I found Sip of Hope. I never thought that this would exist. I, I feel alone. It, it's amazing to be able to, to share that uh, with the community. And most recently with Sip of Hope, we, have, we, we call it Sip of Hope Community Coffee, and there's two branches to it. We do have our cafe in Logan Square, and we also recently last year in, in October began roasting our own beans as well. So similar business structure that proceeds go to fund suicide prevention and mental health education. And uh, yeah, we're super happy with the growth we're getting and, and, and proud of the work we do. And, and thanks for having us on here. And I'll let Allison add anything on there if if I wasn't babbling enough. <laughs> no, I think it's good. Um, so I'm the director of education. I don't think we said our titles, so I'll let Matt go back and do that um, after I stop talking. But I'm the director of education and we have a general based program that, as Matt said, we started 10 years ago. So the world was different. You said that and I had a flashback of like, I used to work in advertising. I was in advertising for 11 years. Um, so I'm just like, oh man, yeah, that was not a good time. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially in, in, in the corporate world. Um, glad you brought that up. It's, it is, it's still, I, you know, unfortunately it still is, but it is definitely getting better. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think the COVID experience has helped a lot of people realize that talking about things really helps. And then when you're under a lot of pressure, you can't ignore it forever. Um, but hope for the day has a base program, which is things we don't say. And we also have different variants that tailor to different communities. So things we don't say is like your general anyone from the public, anyone really anywhere can come in, learn about proactive suicide prevention, figure out like, hey, do you know what escalation is? Do you know how to have some self-care activities? Do you know how to help someone in crisis? And that's what our base program looks like. And then over the years, we've made variants. So we have an identity and orientation one, which is an LGBT plus specific community variant. And then we also have uh, Project Red Team, which is our veterans first responders 
branch. And what I love about that, Matt said peer to peer, the people in those communities are teaching those educations. So the general, it's just anyone who has had a peer to peer experience, either they're supporting somebody close to them who's dealt with suicide or attempted themselves. But in these like specific communities, it's really great that we have people who are speaking to their peers. So like we have veterans, we have first responders speaking to other veterans, first responders, and we have LGBT folks talking to other LGBT folks. And it's just a really unique way, as Matt said earlier, to like make that connection. Cause I remember I saw a Hope for the Day presentation back in 2017 um, before I was even in this organization. And I remember being there, watching someone present that was like not a clinician and it was warm and it was inviting and people were like, shit sucks and it's terrible. And you're like, oh my God, shit does suck. It is terrible. And they're like, yeah, here's how you find a therapist, go to psychology today. And I was like, I'm, I'm hooked. Cause I had trauma symptoms for a long time before I actually acknowledged what was going on with me. And it was around like 2017 that things were not going well. And suddenly I was in this presentation and I was like, oh, huh. This is not what everybody else also experiences. So it was just a really cool way to talk to people, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, you know, part of the reason we created this podcast was was similar. You know, you guys, I love have like that, like, you know, more structured professional background feeding your your programs. But, you know, it but at the same time, you you do have folks that have been through it, you know, and that's kind of what we wanted to do is make sure that we had, you know, we could provide a platform for people to share their stories so people would realize that they're not so alone. And there are some really crazy stories that have been shared on our podcast. And um, I've had, you know, friends or, or, or listeners reach out and say, hey, that actually, like, that happened to me too, you know, and, and, and just humanizing these experiences, but also helping people recognize things that maybe they have pushed down or, you know, not been able to, you uh, to deal with before. So that's really amazing. And like, I love to hear like your personal experience, right? Like, you know, that's your driver. That's what makes this extra, you know, makes your every day worth it. Well, and I think too, is that we're, we're the generation that's so self-aware and we realize that the things that our older siblings, our parents were doing, you know, for their mental health, you know, they were pushing it down or saying, suck it up or, just, just different, you know, the different generations, how they perceive mental health. And we're very aware of it. We're, we're tackling it head on. And I think that's a really lends itself to open up for you guys to do what you do best. And I, I love that it's peer to peer. I love that so much. That's kind of what we're trying to do on a smaller scale, like Jamie said, but I think that's so important. Um, Allison, you mentioned some trauma stuff, Matt, I'm kind of curious, like what, what, what pushed you to, to start this whole thing and then to keep it going? Well, uh, I'll be clear. I, I didn't start this week. We had a, found, a, a different founder and, and I'm just, I'm serving right now as the interim executive director and I'm also the senior director of finance. So um, yeah, but my story of being involved with Hope of the Day is I had a really major bout with panic attacks and generalized anxiety and depression. And it kind of came out of nowhere in my early twenties. And for a year straight, I didn't know if I was alive, if I was dead, I didn't have a plan to commit suicide, but I definitely had to fall asleep by just being so exhausted and that I went to sleep and didn't even care if I woke up at that point. Um, so that's what drew me here is I, I, that was the lowest of the lows. And I just, I, I, 
you know, I, I still go through that stuff. I still have panic attacks. I can still handle a little better, but I would not wish that feeling upon the person I hated the most in the world. It's just an awfully lonely, depressed state that I don't think anyone needs to experience because that's not really the best self they, they should be existing in. So that's what brought me here. I, I had a corporate background as well. I mean, Allison's from advertising, I'm from public accounting. Those are two brutal corporate <laughs> environments. So uh, when I found Hope for the Day, that was my chance to say, oh, crap, okay, I can use my finance and CPA background for something good. So uh, that's what brought me here as well. So I'm kind of curious too, with, with the past year, with everything going on, with just the world at large, I'm sure there, you've had your work cut out for you as an organization, just because people have been isolated. They've been fearful. They, they've, we, we really put our, our mental, um, mental thresholds to the test this past year. So what, what was, what's been like this past year, just dealing with, um, helping people, you know, get through it. Yeah, I can speak to that because I've been, um, we've been doing educations on Zoom. So previously, uh, we used to teach in person in Chicago or fly out somewhere and teach in person there. And then the world changed. So we were all like, all right, what can we do? And we moved everything onto Zoom, which has been super cool because I had someone a couple months ago in my class from Belgium. Um, Just like people are able to log on, be here. Um, our presentation, our education presentation is about 60 to 90 minutes and it's free and it's a workshop and people get to interact and like tell us things. And sometimes if you just want to be in a space where people are going to validate that things aren't going well and that's okay for 90 minutes, like I've told people that like, it's okay if you need to like turn off your uh, video, if you need to mute yourself, walk away, have a good cry. We'll be back. We'll be here when you get back. So like it's been it's been interesting because I think Matt would agree with me that it's been like waves. Like we have had a lot of high schools reach out to us in the last couple months because people are finally over the initial hurdle. Like everybody's getting vaccinated. People are starting to feel better, but then all the trauma is just coming straight up because um, I mean, I have PTSD. So I understand the cycle of like, you shove it way down, you pretend it's fine. And then it comes up later when you like have gotten through your survival mode phase. And I feel like a lot of folks are there right now where like a lot of people were like, I'm fine, I'm fine, the world sucks, but it's fine. And just like really like riding it super hard all the way through. And now we're seeing, um, was it a presentation like two months ago where somebody said a tsunami of trauma uh, is what reminds me where people are like all these teenagers and young people, like we're starting to hit a place where a lot of people are like coming to understand where they're at. Um, But like during the pandemic, I talked to a lot of people and even the people in my life who maybe didn't think mental health was a thing or were like, my anxiety is not that bad. The pandemic tested a lot of people. And I think it was not great for a lot of folks, but also kind of good for a lot of people realizing like, oh, this is what the breaking point looks like. Because a lot of people hadn't seen that yet. They hadn't seen it in their family. So it's just understanding how isolation affects you, understanding how like there's a lot of crap going on at the same time that we were all aware of because we're all just attached to our phones because we didn't have any other way to entertain ourselves in our homes alone. And so it's tough. It's been a little bit of a double-edged sword because I like that people are starting the conversation and understanding like this is what a panic attack feels like for folks who maybe never had that before, but also it sucks because that's more people who haven't haven't had to figure it out yet. And I'm sure you're both aware, like 
starting that journey is terrible. Like, it's just really painful. You learn a lot of things about yourself. You're in a place where you're like, damn it, this is not what I wanted to do today. So like, it's a little bit of both, but um, being able to take our education online and putting our platform online has been really, really helpful. We can reach a lot of people, which has been really excellent. I love that so much. Yeah, I, I actually, ironically enough, I stopped therapy in March of last year just as everything started to kind of and I'm like okay so we're okay I'm like I'm fine and then like you said you know it came to the end like in last this past March I'm like okay time to go back to therapy you know and yeah it really does come at you hard and I think I mean Jamie can probably agree with me hopefully is that this podcast started because of our mental health states and just learning how to process all the changes and then also, you know, based on our personal experiences and everything. So I, I love that you guys are doing that. And I'm, I'm sure you're, you're able to see so much positive outcome happening with people and just saying like, Hey, you guys saved my life, you know, or, or this gave me the, the purpose I needed to help somebody else. I'm wondering how, how it is for you, especially you, Allison, um, when you're watching everybody feeling their emotions if they are staying on camera and things like that like how how does how does that affect you like do you how, how does that go for you <laughs> yeah it's tough um another presenter will say that we're emotional sponges and we kind of have to like wring that out at the end of the day um I have a therapist I have a trauma therapist she's great we talk about stuff that happens in the presentations I'm in we talk about stuff that reminds me of other things so I'm really big on um so hope for the day has this metaphor we use where it's like what's shaking your bottle today and then what's valving out your pressure and it's this idea that there's a soda bottle and you're shaking it up with all of your stressors and then if you pop the top off really quickly you're going to explode so we do it super slowly with self-care practices and that's like something that we teach and when I speak to my therapist I'm like I'm so glad that I have all these like tools that I've built over the years and I'm glad that I am where I am presently so I can do this job and take care of myself um, because yeah, I, I have a meditation that I do every night and when I skip that, I can tell and then I'm absorbing everyone's stress because the way my body works is I'm on alert all the time. I have to like calm my nervous system down intentionally. So when I, when I like take a break from doing that, I can tell it catches up with me. So my biggest thing and the biggest thing I tell my education instructors is like, make sure you're taking care of yourself too, because you, you can't pour into other people if you are done. Um, and in this industry, the burnout rate's super high. Like I've talked to therapists recently and the burnout rate is so high for them as well. Cause you feel like you can't step away, but we're still all people and, and you can. Um, so it's been really it's tough, but it's important to remember that like, I can't teach if I'm not any good. Um, so. Yeah. And I love that. I love that like metaphor thing. Like that's really cool. Um, it makes a lot of sense. And it's amazing that you are doing that for yourself and, and making sure that, that your instructors are, are okay as well, because um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, we all in the end are, are humans and we care and we can tend to over exert ourselves um, just to, to take care of other people, but there needs to be a balance. Well, and also to just, just, just the nature of people who have like, like Matt said earlier, you know, you, you felt the lowest of the low. So naturally you want to help people and you have to have an awareness of saying, 
I'm going to, some people tend to like, especially in nonprofit world, we, we all tend to give ourselves more probably than we should, you know, we, we try to, you know, for us, a hundred, hundred percent, 120% in the corporate world, you know? So it's kind of this awareness of that. Yes. I want to do the best I can. I want to help everyone from feeling terrible or empowering them to, to talk about their mental health to do whatever. But then you also have to take a step back and say, okay, this, I, I need to take a minute. I need to, to, you know, just to wring out the sponge, like you said, and everything. So I think that's really Absolutely. important. Absolutely. So, you know, what are some of the positive uh, outcomes you've seen? Like how are people, how, how do people, I guess, explain to you how, like the effects that, that the program is had on them and how are you receiving that kind of information? Um, are people sharing that anywhere? Um, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of different ways. I mean, Allison can speak more specifically. We do pre and post surveys, which we gauge how people are feeling before about mental health and she can be much more specific on the questions if she chooses. But I mean, you hear it all over the place from, I mean, that's the most inspiring thing. It, Kind of, I'm, I'm going to use double-edged sword again. When I sit on an educations or when we do table setups or out, outreach events, you do sponge up a lot of that, but there's so many inspirational stories about people that have found us or a similar organization. They found a group of friends through that or their community comes together and we see a lot of just random um, donors that come in from creating their own 5K or having some kind of video game night. So the, it's incredibly rewarding, not only, not only those educational pieces, but just seeing how far the reach is. And, and you get, that makes it so, so worth it. You get an email that says, hey, you know, it was terrible. My cousin completed suicide, but I just heard of your organization before and my family's doing much better because of what you've done. I mean, that's, there's, yeah, there's nothing better to hear than that and to hear that we're impacting families and communities in a positive manner. And you hear it all the time. It's, it's so inspirational, especially during the pandemic to, to go back to that. When, it, when the pandemic first hit, we were really confused on like what to do, how it was gonna impact our work. But um, yeah, people had to sit with themselves a little bit. And I think that people, although 2020 was a mess, I also think that people became a little bit more understanding of each other. And I've seen a little, like, you know, you see people on Zoom where they're trying to walk a dog, feed their kid, work and all this. And everyone understands each other a little bit better. So I know I'm on a, on a rant right now, but I'm just feeling good about the space we're in. No, yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree. Um, and like, I, especially since, you know, we couldn't go to coffee shops anymore. We couldn't we couldn't go to those spaces that we were relying on um, to to spend time with people. Uh, so no, I totally I totally agree. Um, how big is the organization as a whole? Um, I'm just curious between between full time staff and volunteers and everything. How how big is the organization? Would you say? That's a tricky question because on a volunteer basis, our volunteer reach is massive, but on a strictly day-to-day um, organizational front, we, I would say throughout the year, because we, we have some contractors that help us with specific projects as well. So I would say it fluctuates between 15 and 20. 
not a really massive company, um, but everyone here is is doing, you know, in the nonprofit space, you kind of bite off more than you can choose sometimes. So everyone puts in their time and effort into different areas. And uh, yeah, we have some of the best people that I've ever worked with at Hope for the Day. I'm really proud of that. And I, I love that because you, you're kind of all um, together uh, combined with this, with this goal of of helping each other and i'm sure the camaraderie working in a nonprofit myself i know the camaraderie i experience but i'm sure that it's even more amplified and i'm sure just as much as you give to the community you're getting even more out of it for yourselves yeah i'm just reminded of um so we've had a couple of presentations that uh the numbers have kind of dipped over the course of the pandemic like beginning a pandemic i feel like this is true for everyone beginning a pandemic everybody was like yeah i'll go on that zoom call and then we hit like a plateau where everybody's like, God damn it, I don't want to be here. And then we've dropped off a little bit. And so like a couple of weeks ago, we had one person show up to a presentation because our numbers kind of dropped a little bit as people were like, the world is opening. And that was more enticing than sitting on my computer for another hour. So we got on and uh, it was one participant and I, gave, and I gave the dude an out. I was like, hey, this is a super interactive presentation. I want you to know that if this isn't your thing, that's okay. Um, enjoy your Saturday. And he was like, actually, my partner completed suicide a month ago. And I really want to make sure that I learn and figure out what to do. And I just want to be here and be in this space. And I was like, okay. So that's, that's one of the experiences that like, I won't forget. And there's a lot of those. Um, when I tabled, because we used to table at music concerts pre-pandemic, we'd have a table out in front of the music venue as people were coming in, leaving a show. And I've had people like look at our messaging because our messaging is it's okay not to be okay and just start crying. And it's, it's so like, it's overwhelming how much our stuff just helps people. And it's super simple. So I, I like helping out in those small ways. And also it's just so rewarding as Matt said, like people just having somebody walk by a booth and just start bawling and you're like, okay, all right, I'm glad that helps. And I don't know what to do either. Cause like I'm crying now and everybody's upset, and it's just like, <laughs> but it's happy because we're- But they're not, yeah, yes. We're creating a space that's open. Cause I feel like when I grew up in a very small place like 4,000 people. And sometimes when you don't have open spaces like that you do feel very, very alone. Um, so it's, it's really good to create space even if it's just for that one person who's having a yeah. real shit day, so. But yeah, it goes back to what you were saying too. I think of, um, you know, how many times do we see those, even with the LGBTQ plus community, you know, where it's a, it's a person saying, I'll be your mom if you want to hug, you know, and they just come, they run to the person just sobbing, hugging just for that, that little bit of connection. I mean, it's amazing how powerful just acknowledge. <laughs> Don't worry, Jamie cries. If, if, if you, if you cry, if Jamie cries on the episode, you've made it, you've, you've like, you know, you're, you're in the upper levels of, you know, of stuff, but yeah, no, it's, it's really powerful. And I think that people are just starving for acknowledgement and for someone to say, like you said, like, yeah, it's shitty, but we're here for you. We're going to, we're going to help you figure it out. So I think that's really great. Yeah. It's like you, you validated them with not, without even having to say anything, which is really powerful to say the least. Um, so my question uh, is, you know, I, I have experience uh, with uh, several friends um, 
and suicide. And I've never once heard it explained as completed. Um, so can you can you kind of explain that terminology uh, versus the the other <laughs> the other way it's explained? Well, I think it's simply the 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 legacy or or antiquated method that we like to shy away from saying you committed suicide, but that holds such a negative connotation, and 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 suicide in general holds such a, a stigma of shame and resentment. And, and to, to humanize it better, the saying completed or, or taken their own life, it, it brings a different bit of humanity besides saying they committed. Committed, anytime someone says committed, you're assuming it's a crime, something illegal, something bad. So completing suicide or death by suicide or, or taking one's own life is, is much more humanizing in an already dark space. So, so we, we prefer that verbiage and, and uh, make sure that that's included in all of our presentations and, and try to push that as much as we can to make sure that, like I said, if you're a survivor of suicide, if your family is a survivor of suicide, you're already dealing with so much that that's the simplest thing you can do to bring a little bit of humanity to the situation. Yeah, I uh, I posted something online, uh, must have been like a week or two ago at this point, and it, it was something describing how, because uh, we teach in our course that suicide is part of an unaddressed mental health challenge and it's on the spectrum of mental health. And I posted that like suicidality versus completing suicide versus attempting, it's all on the spectrum. And one of my connections on social media was like, I've never heard it said that way. I just thought it was like, you have thoughts, you try to push those thoughts aside and not tell other people about those thoughts. And then this completing suicide just happens or attempting suicide just happens and being explained that it's like a big spectrum and it's a whole curve and honestly it's not a an easy curve it like goes like this but explaining it that like suicidality and self-harm and all of those things are like things that just happen to people like it's not this thing that makes you bad or this thing that just creates this moment uh that just shows up out of nowhere it's it's a, a continual escalation of unaddressed issues that people get to that place, um, which I think is a common misconception where people are like, and suddenly this just happened to my child and I don't know why. And really there are always steps along the way. It's just, we don't talk about the early part, which is why proactive is really helpful that we talk about the early part and what escalation could look like before there's a big event. Like the, the first time you said it, I was like, oh, that's, that's much better. <laughs> That's so much better. Um, so thank you for explaining that because I, I, I really can't believe I'd never heard that before. Yeah, um, that's that's amazing. I love that so much, and I, I think too um, with this, I'm I would I might be repeating myself, and I apologize for that, but I think um, being with this organization probably given you a lot more self awareness too about your own mental health state, and obviously both of you came came into this knowing situations about how you felt mental health wise and everything. So I'm sure that being able to go through this and not only to um, work there, but to, to coach people to help get them to that point. I, I, I'm sure it's just not to be selfish, but you get a lot out of it too for yourself, just to, to be able to have a better grasp of your, your mental health. You do become hyper aware. It's kind of like, I think about it this way, at least. And, and I'm not comparing myself to a pro athlete, but pro athletes study their craft. They know their body very well. 
So when you're constantly in that mindset of, it's not even working in a nonprofit. I think anyone can do this. You, you understand your body on a daily basis and you can feel different things. I think that's one of the things that being with hope for the day helps me with on a selfish level is that I do get the constant reminder of hearing other people's stories of hearing what they're going through to remind myself, am I doing these things? Like when we talk about self-care, I'm like, am I doing my self-care acts? Because very easy, especially in this space, when it's your job to be in a vacuum of like, I'm fine. I, you know, we talk about stigma, stigma all the time. And one of the things in our PRT program, you know, uh, first responders, military, they're supposed to be the strong ones that don't have the problems. Sometimes I feel like we get that mentality sometimes as well, that we can't have bad days. And um, yeah, being in this space and having it in your face all the time, it's a double-edged sword where you forget about it, but it's also very much a constant reminder. And everyone in this space, Allison will attest to everyone in the organization will, is free to, and very helpful in saying, are you having a good day? Like, what's going on? Do you want to talk? We, we've, we've learned how to communicate very well, especially in the pandemic to say, this is not a text conversation. Like, let's just hop on a call real quick. How are you feeling? And um, it is rewarding. And, and that's part of the selfish piece to it. Yeah. And I was also going to mention that, like I said, 11 years in advertising, I also don't get punished for telling people I'm not having a good day. Like, I'm sure you've all been in jobs where you've been honest with people and you're like, look, my Sunday sucked. I'm not in a great space. I am here. I am happy to participate, but like, I'm not in a good spot. And then I've been in um, companies where people are like, don't talk to Allison. Allison's not having a good day. Like, they're not giving you agency to like, do what you said you would do. You're like, I'm happy to sit in all these meetings, but like, if I'm not online, I'm not online. Like, you know, just trying to like work with what's going on here, um, which I imagine you as someone with a chronic illness can totally understand it. But people take your agency away because they don't believe you when you're like, I have this tough thing, but I will be fine. I've made choices to figure that out on my own. And then the rest of the day is people are leaving you out of meetings. People are like, not, it's so frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it's that's that's a, a great thing that you're all practicing and and a great message to send um, that we all should think about taking a moment to stop. Um, I actually had an experience, a great experience uh, at my at my job this week with that. Um, my boss always asks twice. Um, she will say, "How are you doing?" and I'll say, "Good," because that's what we all normally you know, say, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And then she looks at me and she doesn't like break eye contact. And she's like, how are you doing? And then it gives that kind of space to, to open up. Um, because I can tell that she's being in genuine and asking that, and she's actually taking the, the time to, to stop. And, and we can all kind of learn from that, but also take it into our, into our work lives, into our home lives, um, and, and really genuinely ask <laughs> and give somebody the opportunity to respond. Yeah, it's funny you say that because people ask me at, at work, I work another job in aerospace and defense, and they'll say, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, <laughs> you hope, yeah. yeah. When they ask, how are you? I'm like, well, you really opened up the can here because I'm going to tell you how I am. And now you got me for five minutes, so I hope you didn't have anywhere to go because yeah, I feel like we, we gloss past that too much. And, you know, that's, that's a simple conversational thing that I think it's, it's helpful for me. So if you ask me that ever, I'm going to probably tell you. I, that's great. And, and, and that models to other people too, that, 
it's okay to do this. Um, I, I had another conversation at work today with, with a colleague who um, is from another country and she's getting a lot of um, feedback that she's a little abrasive and things. And so I kind of had to, you know, have a chat with her of like, you know, explaining to her that in our culture, uh, we're, we're not always super honest uh, because we're afraid of hurting other people's feelings or bothering it, you know, somebody. And I said, you know, when like when she's like, I, I, I say good morning to everybody every day. I ask them how they're doing. And I'm like, you're doing the right thing. And what I'm going to try to help you do is empower these people to respond the way they actually want to respond. Um, and like she and I had that conversation today and she's like, I heard you had feedback for me and that you were struggling with my, my stuff. And I said, yes, I have been. And I explained it to her and we both left the call and like, she's my new best friend. So, you know, I, I have to like, you know, like, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I, I think this is something that we can all learn to do better and really be honest about how we're feeling and not be afraid to just tell other people that like, we're feeling that way because we're always afraid of people reacting a, a negative way, but like, would you react a negative way if somebody said they weren't feeling well, or would you say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that? You know what I mean? So it's like, why don't we allow ourselves to, to receive that sometimes? So thinking about all the, all the work you've done so far, so you've created this organization, you're helping, you know, you're, you're, you're international. So obviously you're, you're looking at how you can keep expanding your programs. Like what's, What's the next step for the organization as a whole, like to keep moving on to that next level? Like what's the next level for you guys? That's a big question, but um, you know, we continue to, uh, our main goal and our mission is to empower the conversation and that happens through our education. So we, we continue to expand our educational offerings and look in different ways. Allison is great and maybe she won't toot her own horn, but she is very meticulous and organized and helped develop that identity and orientation platform for us. And that's, that's really where I see our growth in, in education coming from. If there's, there's some communities that face immense stigmas on their own before even thinking about mental health and suicide. So uh, that is part of where we're going to branch off into. But the world, like we said before, the world, and especially the corporate world, everyone continues to accept the fact that mental health is strongly tied to physical health, strongly tied to every piece of your being. So uh, we continually get requests from corporations, from podcasts, from everyone to, to uh, speak about what we do and, and engage their communities. So that's a just general question. The, the growth doesn't seem to be stopping. Um, and we look to plan to, to uh, expand our coffee shops as well, like to be in some major metropolitan areas in the next few years. Um, our coffee bag itself, uh, over there has the resources on it. On the back road, it has like the National Suicide Hotline and just some other resources. So there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's in, in our, our growth in general, I guess. We will go anywhere and talk to anyone and we will, we will meet you where you're at. We don't expect anyone to be at a certain place. So we're always trying to expand our reach. So Yeah. And I was going to say something that I, what I envision that the education department doing that I really love is we're tweaking all of the community variants to serve actionable steps. Like my LGBT, which is the identity and orientation program, 
I'm walking through why calling an ambulance for an LGBT plus person might not be super helpful because of how expensive an ambulance is. Like we're having real conversations about when people uh, go through a system and they are alive and everything is working out for them, but then they're in massive debt and like really understanding where people are at and making sure that we're not doing more harm. Um, and we, that's why we have a clinical oversight committee to have conversations being like, what can we say? What can't we say? But we like to give people options because I feel like a lot of other, um, not, not trying to bash anyone, but I feel like a lot of other mental health organizations don't really get into the details like that. And that's where I want our education to go is like, if you are a faith-based community, here's some barriers, let's work around those, let's figure it out. Or if you're in veterans, military, first responders, there are all these interesting little pieces where like you want to get help, but there are some things that make it really tricky, uh, such as like cost and rules and regulations that aren't there in your favor or being honest at work is gonna get you fired, like things like that. So we are very much trying to like work within the system and make sure we're doing actionable things. And that's something I really like seeing. Um, I had a meeting today with my director of Project Red Team, which is our veteran first responder. And we sat down and we're like, I want you to magnify the stuff that you think needs work and let's give people like places to go. One of the Easter eggs I love and hope for the day is that our logo is a compass. So we wanna direct people to places they, they need to go or would be better to go. And that's a big part because we're not a crisis line, but we know a lot of crisis lines that might be the right fit. Um, so that's, that's where I see our programming going is really hitting actionable steps, not just saying like, wouldn't it be great if the world was better, which we do that too. But we also wanna make sure that we're actually helping people because getting to the crisis stage, moving people through a space, making sure they're alive on the other side, it's not always a super great time. Um, and I feel, feel like a lot of people don't acknowledge that, so. I, I love that so much. You guys are doing such amazing work and the care and attention. I mean, obviously, you know, it, a, a mental health nonprofit, you know, you are putting care in, but even the way you approach how you respond to people and to groups, I think that is so impactful. I think that's so important. Um, one thing we always do as we start to close out our, our episode is we, um, we ask our guests to finish um, this sentence. And since there are two of you, you guys can each have your own response. Um, we ask you to finish the sentence, grief is, it can be a single word, it can be a sentence, but if you were going to finish the phrase, grief is, what would you say? I love this question and I thought about it often. Um, Grief is like fear because it's un there's a lot of unknowns to grief and, and there's a lot of unfamiliar feelings with grief. So that's why I think it's like fear, but like fear, it's human. And if it's human, it can be talked about. And if it's talked about, then it can be overcome. So that's, that's my answer there. I was gonna say grief is, grief is lonely um, because I remember the first time I experienced grief, people were there uh, and then they disappeared. And then suddenly I was still grieving. So I was going to say grief is lonely, but also it's a space where you learn the most about yourself and it's an excellent place to grow. Um, so. Good answer. I Allison, I like that answer. I like the growth and the, yeah, taking that one. Those are beautiful answers. I mean, incredible, incredible answers. I'm so excited to, to share everything um, that you guys are doing with our audience 
for them to bring it back to their communities. Um, it's, it's just really, truly been a pleasure. Um, and we really appreciate all of the, the knowledge you've bestowed on us. <laughs> yes, Allison and Matt, thank you so much for being here today, for talking with us. I know you guys are busy doing lots of good work, but I'm so appreciative of you being here and just hanging out with us. Absolutely. I just, I wanted to say um, it would be, it would be sad if I didn't share one of the best tools that we have for your listeners, which is hftd.org slash find help, where you can search by zip code for resources in your area in the United States. So um, you can add that to the show notes and everything, but it's, it's one of the best like tools. Cause it isn't just mental health care. It's like food insecurity. It's legal assistance, it's childcare, it's everything. It's a really, yeah, it's a really cool like third party vendor that we've worked with where they just have like an amazing list of places in your area and you can like hit all the filters, do all the stuff. Um, so our, our resource compass and I really, really love it. So we hadn't talked about it yet. So I wanna make sure we got that in there at the end. Yeah, thank you. And I would be remiss as well to say, please visit hftd.org, not for a plug for us, but there is a get educated button there you can find a way to get educated we, we would love to have you there um you know we love having these conversations and it's a very safe place to come and open up about what you've been experiencing and learn a little bit more about how you can help yourself and others i love it so much well thank you both for being here jamie it was great to see you and everyone listening you too, Corey. um thank you for being here we'll talk to you later bye everybody